When we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed. Blessed means that our life is soaked in satisfaction even when everything around us is not satisfying. We are still soaked in satisfaction. Blessed means that we are consumed with contentment even though circumstances around us scream trouble, trauma, tragedy. When we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed. Now, I know some of you right now, you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe not. And, and I understand. I understand sometimes it's hard to get your head around this one truth, but this is truth. Amen. This isn't the opinion of Eric Thomas. By the way, the opinion of Eric Thomas will get you nowhere fast. <laughs> but the Bible teaches us with great clarity that when we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed. And the passage that we're going to look at today is Mark chapter 1. We're going to look, begin verse 21, and, and the section is all the way to verse 45, but we're not going to look at all that. We're going to see how that we are blessed when we're connected to Jesus because Jesus delivers hope in the darkness. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all suffer through the season of sad. The season of sad is um, sometime in the midst of, of, of late fall uh, and lasts for many into spring or early summer. The season of sad is um, that cyclical time of depression for millions of us as we struggle through the loss of as much sunlight as we had before. The lack of the sun shining leads us to depression. The season of sad, also known, well, we call it the Moody Blues, but uh, season of sad is a clinical diagnosis for people who experience seasonal depression. Sad stands for seasonal affective disorder. And when the sunlight doesn't come up as early as it used to and it sets earlier than you want it to, it can lead to seasonal depression. And many of you experience that. Seasonal depression isn't something you make up in your mind. It is literally something that happens to us and it leads us to a feelings of despair. It leads to feelings of lethargy. It leads to feelings of hopelessness. And it leads many to even experience thoughts of suicide. It's not a, it, it's not a joking thing. It, it's a real deal. 
As people began to diagnose the season of sad for others, they began to try to figure out what would solve this. And certainly, there are medications that you can try, but, you know, physicians, they don't like to go straight to the medication. They want to try other things. And one of the things they discovered is if you suffer through seasonal affective disorder, if you go through the season of sad, that one thing that might work, and, and, and for millions does work, is when you wake up in the morning, you have this big, bright light. And you sit down in front of that light, and you soak in that artificial light. And for many, that helps them navigate through the feelings of sadness. This artificial light um, gives them the impression that the sun is shining more than it is. Today in Mark chapter 1, we have people that were suffering through their spiritual affective disorder. They were suffering through the darkness of a life that seemed separated from God. They were suffering through a life that was overwhelmed with circumstances that were far less than optimal. They were suffering through spiritual oppression. They were suffering through political oppression. And Jesus shows up. And remember, Jesus came with good news. We saw this last week, Mark chapter 1, you look verse 14 and 15, it says that after John the Baptist had been put in prison, Jesus came uh, in, uh, uh, into Galilee, and he came preaching the good news of the kingdom, saying, the time is fulfilled. Repent and believe on the gospel. I... I I think that as we declare that Jesus delivers good news through his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, to build a bridge between a sinner like you and me and a holy God, when we make that declaration, it doesn't stop there. It is a declaration that if I'm going to live in that good news, if I'm going to taste hope, even when everything is stacked against me, if I'm going to experience hope, even in dark times, it's because of Jesus. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I, I, you might not believe this, but I do with every fiber of my being. I believe that all of us suffer through difficult days. You've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. I got problems. You got problems. All God's children got problems. Everybody here. All of us wake up, and if you're of the generation that used to watch Hee Haw, (laughs) and if you're not, suffer through this. (laughs) Hee Haw was a variety show that would happen on, I think, Saturday nights. And uh, uh, anyway, they would sing a song. (laughs) If you know it, you can sing along with me, but... Doom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Doom, despair, and agony on me. So y'all, so y'all like, please don't ever do that again. 
I have to do it once every, you know, four years just, just so I can say I did it. But, but that, that, or if you're of this generation, you read a book as a child, Alexander and his no good, very bad, terrible, that day that was terrible, yeah. I mean, we all face life, and life carries with it those type of seasons. And yet, I believe, oh friends, I believe that even in those seasons, Jesus is the answer, and Jesus is the one who gives us hope. I really believe this. I believe that regardless of where you are, regardless of what you're facing, You can have hope if you're connected to Jesus. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I know, I know it doesn't make sense sometimes. And I know for some, it would be far easier for you to sit and wallow in your own personal misery than to think that there is a possibility to have hope beyond your pain. But as followers of Jesus, we have taken hold of Jesus, and he's taken hold of us so that we might be a people living in the hope that he's given us. So that we, in turn, might share that hope with people who don't have Jesus. Um, So, I want us to to get beyond um, the, the talking points. And really, I pray, and I have been praying, that God would get hold your heart and mine. To see that there is hope. Hope is not just wishing things are going to be better. Hope is not merely um, uh, thinking things are going to be okay. Hope is the settled disposition and the confident anticipation that God is working and it is good. Even when the world around us, even when I'm living in a dumpster fire. And that's what Jesus does for us. Uh, In Mark chapter 1, I I, want to read the first few verses. Mark chapter 1, beginning verse 21. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. And there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do? What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him. By the way, the term there for rebuke is the, is the Greek term, which I can't say because I used all my Greek word quota last week. But um, the Greek term there is the term that is used to muzzle a dog. So when Jesus talks to the demon, he muzzles the demon like a dog. I just thought, I just like saying dog in my southern accent. I... <laughs> Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed the man and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of the man. Then they, this is all the people in Capernaum, then they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, people who are living a broken life, they, they want hope. They want hope in their dark times. 
Uh, people who are, who are broken, living in the face of, of, of fragile marriages, fractured relationships, finances that are just beyond, uh, beyond hope. We want hope. We want hope in our job. We want hope in our church. We want hope with our children. We want hope with our grandchildren. I have a grandchild. Her name is Nora. I have another granddaughter. Her name is, thank you. I, ha- I-, I want hope for them. We want hope, a settled disposition and a confident expectation that God is working good in the midst of this bad. And Jesus is the one who brings that hope. It's not just a feel good. It is a settled disposition. All the evidence to the contrary. Can we all agree we're living in kind of dark times? All right, we, we, we're living in dark times. I'm not saying that they're darker than they were 2,000 years ago. I'm just saying they're dark. They're dark right now. And we need to be a people of hope. What's amazing to me is in this passage that when people heard about Jesus and heard about what he did, man, they came flocking to Jesus. You know why they came flocking to Jesus? Because broken people want hope, and Jesus is the one who gives it. Man, they had to get to Jesus. And, and I have to believe, I have to believe that if we, the people of God called First Norfolk, if we truly lived in the hope that Jesus delivers, then we would share that hope with others and others would flock to Jesus because they got to have hope. I think part of the problem is we don't let people see that Jesus delivers the hope in dark times. Because we're still milly-mouthing around in doom, despair, and agony on me. We'll talk a good game on Sunday morning when we get together with other spiritual saint-type people. But when it comes to living it out on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday, man, we play, we, we play the, the, the uh, grouse game. It's, uh, I'm grousing about this. I'm grumbling about that. Everything's bad. Nothing's good. I've had a terrible, no good, very bad day. But if you're a follower of Jesus, that's not what defines you. What defines you is the hope that you've received in Christ. So today, I, I just want us to take a few minutes, and just, just a few minutes, and I want us to break apart verses 21 and, and following and, and then look at a couple of different things. You want to experience hope. When you're connected to Jesus, you're blessed, and you're blessed because Jesus delivers hope even in dark days. How do you have that hope? Well, the, the way we get hold the hope, to find hope, you've got to take hold the truth. To find hope, you've got to take hold of the truth. Now, Jesus came teaching. Now, teaching and preaching and healing, that's all part of what Jesus did. And all that he did, the teaching and the preaching and the healing, all of it was a declaration that the power of God has invaded the human arena and overwhelmed the realm of Satan. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the truth of it. Here, he's in Capernaum, and and this small city, uh, from our standards, very small city from our standards. He comes to Capernaum, and and people had heard about Jesus. They said, they said, well, you come teach at our synagogue. The synagogue is what we're doing. It's similar to what we're doing here. And so Jesus came, and he entered the synagogue, having received the invitation, and he began to teach. 
And again, look at verse 21 and 22. It says, it says then, um, uh, verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching. He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. He taught as one having authority. You know what that means? It means that, that Jesus was teaching as the mouthpiece of God. And the people had not heard it like that. See, most people had followed their, um, their social media influencers. They're called scribes or Pharisees, but they're social media influencers. They're the ones that get on their platform, whatever that, that social platform might be. They get on their platform and they say, this is how you ought to do this, and this is how you ought to do this, and this is how, and you can tell what kind of house I live in. This is how you apply the brush with the blush, and this is good uh, base uh, for your uh, makeup. And if you're looking for a little color for your eyelash, this is what you can do. If you don't know, and please let me take a moment. I have one wife and I have four daughters. No sons. And even the sons-in-law have started watching those type. Uh, just kidding. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. So anyway, 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 anyway. So uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were the social media influencers of Capernaum. People would go and listen to them because they were trying to figure out how to have hope in dark times. They were trying to figure out how to navigate an abusive husband or a wayward wife. They were trying to figure out how to navigate losing your job because uh, the, the Romans had taxed everything so heavily that the job had just fallen to pieces. They were trying to figure out real life problems and real life darkness. They were trying to figure out how they were going to survive beyond the age of 30. They were trying to figure out how to navigate life and trying to find, in the midst of dark times, they were trying to find the true way to walk. And so they were listening to scribes. And the scribes, you might say, well, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were building upon Old Testament religion. And they were. It's Judaism, right? Genesis to Malachi is, is the Old Testament. And they, were, they had read the Old Testament, scribes and Pharisees had. But when they taught, they didn't teach the Ten Commandments. When they taught, they taught all their opinions about the Ten Commandments. They taught all of their rules about how to do life in the Old Testament. And they would begin to build upon the statements of other social media influencers. One social media influencer would say this, and another social media uh, influencer would add to that, and then another would add to it, and another would add to it, and pretty soon, you didn't hear the voice of God. All you heard was the voice of social media influencers. I don't, I can't remember if I said it in this hour. The opinion, have I said this, the opinion of Eric Thomas? Did I say that? Let me say it again. The opinion of Eric Thomas will not get you very far down the road. Right? I am not an influencer, and I'm not a spiritual guru, and there is nothing about me except my wickedness that's any different than yours. Today, don't listen to the voice of the social media influencer. Listen to the one who delivers truth. 
Jesus wasn't speaking as a media influencer. Jesus was speaking as God himself declaring to the people, this is the way you ought to go. So if you and I are going to have hope in dark times, we got to have a true way to live. Um, Again, we live in a culture and uh, I could pontificate and bloviate about this for hours and hours and hours point in because it's my PhD in postmodern philosophy, and we're living in postmodern times, and you can see it through the structures and the systems of our, uh, of our world today, especially in American culture, how postmodernity has risen to the top, and, and, and it's crazy. Uh, but here's, uh, it, and so I, that's all, that's as heavy as I'm going to get on that. Simply said, we're living in a culture today where my personal experience equals truth. Now, I want you to think about this. My personal experience equals truth. So, when my personal experience says that the world is flat, that's true. Whether it's fact or not, it doesn't matter. It's my personal experience. The world is flat. I walked a thousand miles one direction, turned around, walked, a, did Forrest Gump in the other direction, and it's still, I didn't walk off the edge, and it didn't seem like I was going around a globe. It, the world is flat. When your personal experience defines what is true, you are living in chaos. Because me defining what is true is built upon how strong I am, how smart I am, how wise I am, how savvy I am. And friends, I am not narcissistic enough to believe that I'm that smart or I'm that wise or I'm that savvy. And neither are you. If we're going to have a way to live in dark times, we need the one who knows the way to live. And his name is Jesus because he's the one who paves the way for a view of the world that, cons- uh, that conforms to the way things really are, not a make-believe world. We create our own world. We, we live in a day where we're creating truth as we like it to be. And as the church that follows Jesus, who gives to us absolute truth that should astonish us, should give us courage in the face of difficulty, we as the church, we've got to stand on that truth. We need the truth that Jesus delivers to define how we live. And when it defines how we live, then we have hope. Now, you might not believe that. You might believe, well, Jesus is outdated, and when he says to do A, B, or C, that doesn't really apply to this world and this time. And I would say to you, no, that's wrong. Because what Jesus describes and defines and speaks from Genesis to Revelation in the Bible is the absolute truth, the unchanging truth for you and for me here and now and a hundred years from now or a hundred years ago or a thousand years from now or a thousand years ago. It is absolute truth. It is unchanging. Absolute. So you want to know how to live in this world? You've got to follow the one who knows how to live in this world. His name is Jesus, and he's given us his word so that if we, if we it, not really just take hold of truth, but let truth take hold of us, and we adjust our life to fit what God has said, then it's going to lead us to stand firm. And again, you might not believe this, but can I tell you what Jesus said? Jesus preached his whole sermon on the mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. 
At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 24, Jesus said, Whoever hears these words and sayings of mine and does them, I'll compare him to a man who builds his house on the rock. And the rains come and the floods uh, rise and the winds blow, but the house stands because it's built on the rock. But whoever hears these words and sayings of mine and does not do them, I compare him to a person who builds his house on the sand. And the rains come and the winds blow and the waters rise and the house falls because it's built on the sand. Jesus saying, his teaching is absolute truth. If we follow his teaching, we will be secure. We will have hope. Now, let me also say this. If we embrace the truth as God has defined it, then we don't shift when it comes to issues like gender or sexuality. We don't shift in that. Amen. We don't change our, our view of sexuality or gender based upon what is the cultural norm. That, that it, it is defined for us in Scripture. Now, we don't treat people like hellions because they have. We want to help them see the hope that is found in Jesus. Part of the problem with the church is so many people in the church treat people that don't think the way they think because they haven't embraced absolute truth. They treat them like they're the devil themselves. Stop it. They need hope because they need Jesus. All right? But we don't shift. Now, what that means, if we're not going to shift on cultural norms today, then we know that following what God's Word says is going to put us at odds with the cultural norms. Now, the other day, there was a, uh, uh, I saw it on social media as I was listening to my social media influencers. Uh, <laughs> I was listening to social media, and somebody on The View compared Christianity, The View. Look, if you're getting your worldview from The View, stop it. If you're getting your worldview from Fox News, stop it. That's better than what happened at uh, the nine o'clock hour. I didn't even get a clap when I talked about Fox News. They're like, oh my goodness, you are bad, bad. Look, anyway, the personal view. I, that's a totally, that's a 30 minute sermon I could go down. Personal on the view compared Christian, Christianity to the Taliban. And of course, that's, that's upsetting, right? That, that, that's upsetting, but it's not surprising. This person doesn't know Jesus. This person doesn't have a view of Christ that, that, uh, that God has given us his truth, and that truth is unchanging. That truth is what leads to life, and we're going to follow that truth even if it goes against the norms of culture around us. And, and, and that person doesn't know that. That person doesn't perceive that. All that person sees is you are so weird for believing what you believe. And so she began, she tried to think of the most insulting thing that she could call us. And she said, Taliban. I just, that's silly. But what makes you think it's going to be any different 10 years from now? When we, when we allow the absolute truth of God revealed in the word of God, applied to, given to us by uh, the son of God and applied to our hearts by the spirit of God, when we allow that to take root in our lives, it's the only way to get to hope, but it also puts us at odds with so many others, and that's okay. That's okay. I got to move on. 
have so much more to say about that. Okay, let me stop. Let me, let me say something. I think, I think part of the problem for you and for me is that we, even those of us who claim orthodoxy in our belief, we are so influenced by people we think agree with us culturally that we ignore the clear statements of God's Word. So if we find somebody like on Fox News that agrees with us perhaps culturally, then we're going to dive in whole hog with what they have to say, even though they are contrary to the words, the truth that God gives us in His Word. It's no better than watching The View. You're still forming your way of life on shaky sand, not on the absolute truth of God's Word. So again, and stop it. The Bible, the Bible is what defines how we live. That's it. So I get in trouble with Democrats and Republicans all the time. I do. I, I, some of y'all have left the church and come back. You left the church when you thought I wasn't Republican enough, and you came back when you thought he's finally returned to his senses again. For those of you who don't know, I'm joking, but not really. It's funny. It, it is. And it's sad. It's sad because we've, we're using some measure that is not the true measure. And in fact, it leads to hopelessness, even as followers of Jesus. Let the truth take hold your heart. Uh, Psalm 1-1, again, Psalm 1-1, write this in. Blessed is the person who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I skipped a part, though. Blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. All those other ideas about how to do life. When you don't do that and you choose to delight yourself in the law of the Lord, and in, your, in His law He meditates day and night, He's going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. You want hope? Then take hold of God's truth. Second thing we see in this passage, you want hope? To take hold of hope, you've got to cling to Christ. Cling to Christ. Don't treat Jesus like a good idea on the weekend. Treat Jesus like the Lord He is, and your only hope for a satisfied life today, and tomorrow, and the next day. Stop acting like Jesus is a hobby, and see Jesus as your very life. You have this guy that's demon-possessed, and, and, and he comes to the synagogue, and, and, and that guy that's demon-possessed, we don't even hear from him. All we hear is about the unclean spirit, the one, the, the demon that is possessing him. That guy that's been possessed, he is so hopeless he can't even speak. But somehow Jesus 
orchestrated a divine appointment with this man who was demon-possessed. And when confronted, the dominion of darkness will always lose to the Holy One of God. Jesus has the power over any darkness that we might face. It can be the elemental forces of the world. It can be a demonic horde. It can be the devil himself. It can be any force of demon, devil, darkness, and Jesus wins. So if you want to win, you better take hold of Jesus and not let him go. Stop treating Jesus like he's a hobby. You, look, I hear, I hear uh, 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 church members all the time, we, we live in dark times. We live in dark times. We live in dark times. And we do. But stop complaining and start some praying and get hold the hand of Christ and walk with him because he and he alone has the power to lead you through the darkness. Look, when I was a kid, I'd go camping with my, my dad and my brothers and we'd go and where we go camping, there's no lights and, and there's not a light within 10 miles. We go back in the backwoods of the uh, Smoky Mountain National Park and man, we're back there and and when the fire dies down and, and you're not using your lamps anymore, it's dark. And if it's cloudy, you don't have a, you don't see the moon, you don't see the stars, it is pitch black dark. And we've been there back in there before, and I can tell you right now, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're scared. The darkness is disorienting. You forget where you are. You don't know to go right, go left, go, if, if we were in trouble, we didn't know which way to go. But my dad did. Oh, my dad did. I'm disoriented in the darkness. And if I want to get to where I need to get, if I'm going to have hope in that deep darkness that disorients me, I need to take hold the hand of Jesus. Like I took hold the hand of my dad to lead me from point A to point B. Every day, that's our journey. Every day. That's not, I mean, that's not a one-off. That's an every day. Every day. Look, if you don't realize the confusion and the chaos in which we're living, just, just open your eyes. Take the red pill, not the blue one, Neo. You know? Some of y'all don't understand anything what I just said, but it's called the matrix. But Take the red pill. Wake up to reality. Stop living in your fantasy world and understand that, yes, our world is dark and it's filled with chaos and you're smack dab in the middle of it. But Jesus, the Holy One of God, who defeats all the forces of evil, he's the one who will take hold your hand and he'll lead you through. Not only does he have the power to do it, he has the heart to do it. And go down and verse 40 uh, says, now a leper came to Jesus and begging him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, you see the phrase, moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched the leper and he said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. And the leprosy left. Um, there's no one more hopeless than a leper in the first century. 
to heal leprosy was compared in ancient literature as resurrecting the dead. It doesn't happen. But Jesus, who had the power to heal, also had the heart to heal. He stretched out his hand and he said, yeah, I'm willing. Be cleansed. I've got good news for you. The king of glory. The master of the universe. The creator of the cosmos became flesh and bone and dwelt among us so that he might rescue us from hopelessness and despair. Because he loves you. He has a heart to give you hope. So trust him and take hold his hand. There's a hymn uh, that captures this better than any of my words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood. Support me in the whelming flood, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Oh, God in heaven, I pray that you would speak so clearly to us today that we would be transformed by your grace. I pray that in these moments as we've gathered in your name that you would strengthen us and encourage us to take hold of you, Lord Jesus, and live in the hope that only you can give. I pray in these next few moments as we stand to worship you with song, that we would submit our lives fully to you in every way, and that we would find the hope that only you can deliver. Now I pray, O oh God, that in these next few moments, you would be glorified and that we would be edified. And it's in the mighty, matchless name 
of Jesus that we gather together in this moment to pray.